All right. You there, my friend? Yes, indeed. All right. Here goes nothing, folks. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to Off the Bar Radio, the hopefully popular football podcast in the world scheme. I'm John Luke Giacomo. Alongside me, my partner in crime for this hopeful podcasting uh, empire, Evan Johnston. Evan, how are you, buddy? I am doing well tonight. How are you, John Luca? I'm doing great. Ready to talk some football and overall just get into things, you know. So, uh, first of all, I guess we should start with a little introduction. This is going to be off the bar radio. It's going to be a brand new podcast talking about football or soccer. Uh, you know, hopefully just covering the big five leagues, transfers, up and coming talent. Overall, just all the important and uh, fun things to talk about and uh, in the beautiful games. So. You know, without further ado, I say we get started. Uh, first of all, you know, who are we? I think a lot of people uh, would like to know. So just a little introduction, Evan, tell you, tell, uh, tell everyone about yourself. You know, how'd you, how'd you get into football? Uh, did you ever play? And uh, your favorite teams and all that good stuff. All right. So I started in the rec leagues like everyone did. And um, ironically enough, it had started with me. I didn't want to play because I thought the referee was uh, uh, on the other team. But eventually, it turned out pretty well for me. I uh, played travel for like eight years and even played a little club soccer with John Luca. I played all over the field, even did a couple stints in goalkeeper. And I can say probably my favorite position to play was either winger or fullback. Um, My favorite teams are Liverpool, Celtic, Bayern, Roma, and Ajax. And my favorite league is probably the Italian league, Serie A. What about you, John Luca? Of course, um, you know I gotta say, growing up, uh, I grew up in an Italian family household. Of course, I was always exposed to uh, to football and whatnot. And um, so I, I don't know. I want to say I started watching hmm, maybe when I was five or six. Honestly, that's about as young as I can remember. Um, maybe a little sooner than that. But um, yeah, I mean, basically, I grew up um, with all that. I, I've been playing since I was very young. Um, got, you know, I grew up in the, in the local in-house league, um, here in my, uh, my local city, you know, um, basically an in-house league is just, we go, we, we play at the same complex. It's everyone from the local area and we all had those crappy, uh, those jerseys that you turn inside out and, and it was a different Jersey color. So basically I was in that for a little bit, played in travel, um, for the local, city as well and I uh, moved more towards in club and as I got older I um I, you know I kept playing and then once I got into high school and I realized I didn't have a chance I uh really took a turn more to broadcasting and whatnot so and you know with uh with the pandemic and everything everything going on and some uh, some interesting weather here I don't know about where, where you're at Evan how that's going but uh some interesting weather you know why not uh would it be better to start a podcast no better time than now so yeah. Yes, uh, indeed. So, oh, yeah. I mean, without further ado, let's, uh, let's officially get into it. So basically, we're just going to go over, um, you know, the state of football, just overall, um, just everything going on, just the grand scheme of things, how things are changing and, and whatnot. You know, we're going to talk about um, the, the top five leagues and the halfway points, things to talk about, teams doing well, disappointments, you know, shocking things, stats, all that. Uh, winter transfer talk, of course. 
um, you know, those biggest transfers. And, of course, deadline day, we actually had some pretty good transfers. Um, yes, indeed. Last day is plenty to talk about there. Of course, the UEFA Champions League and Europa League. And, um, yeah, that's basically it. Maybe talk about some young talent, but obviously I think with the world scheme of things, there's way too much young talent to uh, to really cover. So maybe that'll be our next <laughs> episode or so. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, overall, you know, uh, Evan, the, the Messi-Ronaldo era, you know, I, I think it's really slowly coming to an end. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? You know, just the Messi-Ronaldo era growing up with it and having uh, all that exposure to those two greats dominating for the last decade or so. You know, I think during Ronaldo era, I almost got too annoyed with how good they that they are. Looking back now, I truly appreciate how good the soccer players were. And I think while their form has decreased a little bit over the years, I think the surrounding talent of the two players has definitely changed a lot. Yep. Uh, at least I think the beginning of the decade. And I think that might have a little bit to do maybe the decline in form. I know Ronaldo's moved on to Juventus uh, from Real Madrid, and maybe Messi will too. We'll see. But I know uh, Barcelona recently jumped back into second, I believe, in La Liga, even though Atletico's dominating Barcelona, hoping to still make it uh, a good season here. Of course, you know, um, just going off of that, I think, you know, Messi, of course, that um, the talent around him hasn't exactly been great in recent times, but also the the front board of Barcelona has done some rather questionable things. You know, it's it's like uh, it's eight-year-old me playing career mode on FIFA, you know, with Inter <laughs> just sitting there and, uh, you know, with, I don't know, guys like Diego Forlan and, and everything, <laughs> you know, it's it's just... Some impulse buys have been definitely happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it hasn't been good for Barcelona's administration in general. I mean, they've gone through a load of managers, um, and I feel like just there's an overall lack of motivation in that club. I mean, Messi sitting here, um, 18 appearances, 12 goals, and two assists in La Liga. Well, in the Champions League, he has four appearances, three goals, and two assists. Um, he has 87% pass completion overall. And um, he has 62 shots on target on a grand total of 132. So, I mean, looking at the grand scheme of things, um, Messi has definitely dropped off in form compared to his recent times. And like I said, a lot of that has to do with the talent around him. I um, mean, you know, obviously, they've got some decent youngsters. Uh, you know, guys like Serginho Dest, um, Trincao, all those guys. But, I mean, you know, when when you look at, all, you know, how old their team is in a, in a greater standpoint and you're also sitting there and you're talking about you know guys like Antoine Griezmann who everybody really expected to be a very top class player for this team he just hasn't been good um honestly I think one of the worst transfers they really could have done was that swap deal with Artur Mello and uh, Miralem Pjanic Pjanic is, is a pretty class player don't get me wrong but I mean he's what 31 and I mean you're getting rid of a 24 year old with lots of potential and um, it just it wasn't good. I think that's when they really started to decline. I could, could definitely see Barcelona kind of falling into a just a, just a fall from grace, you know, similar to uh, AC Milan after their dominance in the early 2010s. And I mean, you know, I want to say Ronaldo's still been doing very well um, statistically: 83% pass completion, 34 shots on target, 93 total. Um, he's got 15 goals and three assists, and 16 appearances in Serie A, four goals and one assist in the Champions League on four appearances. Um, you know, I think the talent around him, 
I honestly think for Juve, it's more of just a trying to rebuild, you know, with Pirlo as their new manager and, and trying to bring that entire team together and kind of form a proper structural team. And they've been doing fairly well with that, you know, with those young guys like Dejan uh, Kulishevsky, um, Weston McKinney, and Paulo Dybala has been finding his place. And all those guys have honestly been doing quite well. But I think, honestly, it's much more the mojo um, of Cristiano Ronaldo and the hype around him that's kind of declined. And, you know, I guess you can definitely bring more into that with with just the overall popularity of City on how that that's uh, increased. Yeah, I think especially with Cristiano Ronaldo right now, I think Juve- Juventus is in a very unique place. I mean, the Milans are obviously dominating Serie A right now. Juventus not very far behind, but I feel like they can experiment a little with all the young players. And Cristiano Ronaldo definitely isn't going to have a sudden drop off in form next year. I mean, he's had staying power for a while. I think they'll retain that. As long as he stays, I think they can, uh, I think, surprise us all in the next couple of years for better or for worse. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think the key thing for Juventus and Andrea Perlo. Um, and I think going back to what you said, John Luca, that was a very good point about bringing Amir Lampajanic uh, instead of Arthur. Yeah, I, I believe Barcelona maybe started picking players that weren't really fit for La Liga. Syria is nothing like La Liga, mm-hmm. um, as much as we would like it to be. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, anyway. I forgot to really mention, um, I am a I am an Inter Milan fan, so appreciate the compliment, uh, Evan. With that, you know we are dominating, and um, obviously not too happy about AC Milan's recent prowess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but I mean, Juventus is still a good team, and as much as I hate to admit it, you know, I love to use the the term. You know, I I, I don't like AC Milan because I'm an Inter Milan fan. And um, I don't like Juventus because I'm a human being with moral standard. Um, you know, <laughs> yep. it's the it's the same it's the same principle. You know, I mean, obviously they can they can build around it. I honestly, you know, have some faith in Andrea Pirlo. It's kind of a moral dilemma for me. You know, it's Juventus, but uh, um, they they they've hired that my one of my favorite players of all time as their as their uh, manager. So that's yeah. quite interesting. But um, I feel yeah. like, I feel it's quite special. Um, you know, Chelsea hiring Frank Lampard didn't seem to go go over too well and uh even Michael Arteta I mean they're great players in their own right but Andrea Perlo just has a sense of you know winning I believe the World Cup with Italy it's just a, yep. a special hire and I, ho- I hope it goes well for him yeah um I wish him the best not the team so you know um, exactly and of course the other thing that the current state of football is you know with with a lot of um, with a lot of guys kind of declining in form like guys like Messi and Ronaldo it's left a a lot of um, space for younger talent, you know, guys like Mbappe, Holland, um, Machis De Ligt, uh, you know, uh, let's see, Jaden Sancho, um, Takafusa Kubo, Ansu Fati, you know, I mean, just all over the world, Marcus Rashford, I mean, I could literally go on for days, Latar Martinez, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Deodo yes. Pomacano, Alfonso Davies, I mean, there's so many guys that um that have that skill and have that ability, and I think now with those two kind of their mojo is kind of declining. It's they've been able to be more exposed in a in a, in a better light um, with you know the the football world just not being as dominated in, in that sense. So yes, I agree. 
All right. Do we want to move on to the big five? Yeah, might as well. Why not? I mean, uh, opening, right. opening out, we got the English Premier League. Honestly, this year uh, for me has been uh, pretty exciting. Um, things are kind of slowly starting to take shape to an extent, you know what I'm saying? But um, but honestly, yeah. just the opening half of the season has been very, very exciting, in my opinion. Um, there's just so many things to look at and just be wowed by or be surprised by or just be happy with. Um, overall, you know, and this, of course, isn't the only league with a heavy amount of competition, but um, it has genuinely been fun to watch. Teams have been all over the place. It's just overall been very enjoyable. So, you know, if you look at the current state of the league, of course, this is being filmed on a Monday night. So I believe tomorrow there are a good amount of matches um, to be played. So obviously when you're taking a listen to this, this may not be as updated um, compared to when you are listening to it. But, of course, we got Manchester City's in first. They've had 44 points. Uh, United is right behind them with 41. Liverpool has 37 and third. Oh, oh no, excuse me. No, they have 40 now, don't they? They they uh, just won. Yes, they do. I just edited that. I'm sorry. Oh, no. No, you're all <laughs> I good. I just thought that. <laughs> yeah, um, so there's that. Leicester City is in fourth. Fifth place, West Ham United somehow. I mean, we'll just get in that. Ugh. That's just um, not something I expected to see. And, of exactly. course, uh, Spurs is in sixth with 33 points in 20 matches. Of course, just looking at these guys um, – of course, the notable omissions, Arsenal sitting in 10th with a very rough patch to the start of the season. And um, Chelsea with in uh, 7th place. Again, um, not the start they would have hoped for, especially with uh, the talent they signed. But um, it is what it is. So, of course, we have um, as well the Golden Boot race. Been pretty entertaining so far. Mo Salah is leading with 13 goals, just scored two goals in their recent match. Uh, Harry Kane and Human Son tied with 12 each, and um, let's see, it's a four-way tie for third. Bruno Fernandez, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Patrick Bamford, and Jamie Vardy, all with 11 goals. So, I mean, honestly, this golden boot race is even exciting. You know, there's there's not a whole lot of margin, and, um, of course, the assist leaders, Kane. Harry Kane has 11 assists on the year. Kevin De Bruyne has 10, Jack Grealish with 9, and, um, yeah, I mean, overall, Devin, Evan, excuse me. It's been a uh, it's been a very eventful year, and um, everything's still pretty close. It's still pretty interesting, and I'd really like to see uh, how the season goes. Yeah, I think it's a very dynamic table we're looking at. I mean, there's games at hand all over the place with COVID, but um, I mean, it's it's good to say that Chelsea's not having a great start, but at the same time, they're only two points off of uh, looking at some European football here, and. Um, Spurs maybe looking at adding a trophy. Uh, some high hopes there. Yeah, that's memes. a good joke. Oh, yeah. Uh, finally, I think uh, what really jumped out is like a newly promoted uh, team in uh, Leeds United, and now they, they might have a run at uh, the Golden Boot race. I mean, that that's fun. Good for Patrick Bamford. I heard he scored a couple goals in the Man United humbling just the other day. Yeah. Um, I hope some good form from him yeah and yeah I mean overall I do definitely agree with the dynamic table you know with games in hand it's it's definitely a very entertaining you know I mean you got you got teams like Villa who have what like two games in hand and are kind of below a lot of teams on the table but they can still definitely just hop right back up when those games are made up I mean you're sitting here talking about West Ham United in fifth place uh, midway through the season would you ever think just of just hearing that 
it's <laughs> quite interesting. Um, I believe they've won about four of their last six or so. Uh, you know, guys like Thomas yeah. Sushik, Mikhail Antonio, Declan Rice, all those guys making huge impacts this year. It's been it's been incredible, honestly. Just just looking at this team improve, and you know, obviously they've kind of found their form, they've kind of found their shape and a, a decent structure. And I'd love to see the direction they're going in. You know, same with Austin Villa. Um, honestly, in my in my preseason predictions, I had Villa getting relegated, and boy, have they shut me up. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they've been doing very well. Ollie Watkins is a class striker signing. Didn't expect him to see burst out of his shell. Jack Grealish is really showing potential. Of course, um, you know, I, I think he's definitely going to get some playing time once the Euros come around. I'd honestly love to see him on an international level. Um, yeah. And, I mean, considering Aston Villa was in, what, second second place at one point, and Everton was in first, and Southampton was in the top four and for a while. That's another one of my favorite teams, uh, Southampton. Um, you know, a good variant of talent, some decent signings. And um, overall, just a, a pretty exciting team to watch. Same with Everton. Um, they've kind of declined a little bit as the season has progressed, but Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been brilliant. Um, t- you talk about teams like Tottenham Hotspur with just a red-hot start. I mean, did you expect Tottenham to play so well? And as, as, as much as I dislike Jose Mourinho, you know, um, his tactics have really brought the best out of that team. Yeah, they really have. And, I mean, they've brought some some very uh, lesser-known players now almost seem like household names to me besides Harry Kane and uh, Son. I mean, there's, like, uh, their, their fullbacks, Eric Dyer even. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's the, it's the return of just names of Tottenham players are like, wow, we actually know who they are. And they're making a difference. Right. And I do argue that Jose Mourinho's, uh, the Jose Mourinho effect is currently happening. Um, hopefully... It won't last too long. Tottenham could still make a run at the yeah. top six. But I just noticed, to hell with London is blue or red. I think it's uh, brown or whatever West Ham's colors yeah, are. Yeah, I mean. If you're looking at the table right now. Yeah, I mean, genuinely sitting here, you know, if, if Son and Kane have combined for 24 goals and 17 assists, they made some great signings. Um, Serge Reguilon on the wing. Serge Aurier has been playing very well overall this season. Um Pierre-Emil Hoybier and Musa Sissoko have been great holding midfielders. Bergwijn has come out of his shell. He's only 22. Another younger guy with a lot of promise. And Harry Kane's honestly taken much more of a of a, um, of like a, a, a false nine kind of standpoint. You know, I mean, 12 goals and 11 assists. He's, he's been really bringing balls over the top, letting Son and uh, Bergwijn do what they need to. And, I mean, overall, I think Harry Kane is definitely starting to get back in the form after some injuries, really taking him out of the, the, the world talk for top strikers in, in football for a while. I mean, overall, he's just been genuinely great. And I could definitely see this team going. Honestly, I hope they do. Um, just the way they've been going, I've, I've loved to watch them. Their match, with, um, their match with Liverpool is just absolute class in a tactical sense. Very exciting to watch. Um, Josie Mourinho has earned a lot of my respect coming in and, and playing these tactics and bringing the best out of a lot of these players. So, I mean, I, I genuinely do love them. And, um, of course, I, honestly, I could say the same about Manchester United with um, Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford really leading the charge and some great signings. Unfortunately, some of them haven't been used to their um, full potential <coughs> Van de Beek. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, genuinely, you know, if you're going to tell me that you're going to start Scott McTominay or Fred, with Donny Van de Beek's just sitting there 
readily available on your bench. I mean, you're just having a laugh. That's just – it's insane. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling Ajax would have liked them back there. Um, yeah, I mean – Seriously. Yeah, Ajax could definitely use him um, it's, it, or any other team. You know, it's really a shame that he's not getting the playing time he really should get. Um, and then you – but, I mean, they're still playing very well. Anthony Martial has been a bit of a bust this year. I really expected him to do better. But with how Fernandez and Rashford are playing, and honestly, Aaron Wan-Bissak has been showing up a good amount. They have plenty of youngsters to bring this team to life. Um, you know, Pug was honestly looking to leave, but – it seems like a sense of motivation has really come over him ever since he started getting back into the starting eleven, um, which is honestly great for them. Yes, um, Pogba in form is uh, forced to be reckoned. Uh, uh, whether you're Liverpool or you're West Brom, you're going to take him seriously. Oh yeah, I mean it's just um, the way that he's been improving. I, I definitely want to see more of him. He's, he's an exciting player to watch when he's motivated. So I mean, yeah, and, uh, and then you go to Liverpool. Obviously, they're kind of struggling. With with an absolute load of injuries coming left and right, you know guys like James Milner and Hendo have been trying to push back, and Fabinho's been doing all right, and the attacks kind of been all over the place, you know. Evan, obviously, since it is one of your favorite teams, you know, possibly, you know, give give me your analysis. How are you feeling about them? And uh, with those signings, do you really have any? Do you have more confidence in them heading into the second part of the season? So. Uh, whenever there's a transfer window uh, for Liverpool, I always like to wait to the last day or the first day. Yeah. Because the way they've been conducting business, they aren't going to make a signing that everyone was expecting. Um, or even if they were, they'll let it run quiet. And then all of a sudden, the sign just like Ozan Kabak. I think we've been hearing about him for the past six months here. But it was just starting to go quiet. Then they signed Ben Davies and everyone in Liverpool – held a deep breath, like, please tell me he is not our permanent center-back replacement right now. And then they signed Ozan Kao back, and we all exhaled. Um, I I really hope Ben Davies does do well, too. But, you know, I I don't know how much of an immediate replacement he is because uh, Fabinho's been doing a fine job at center-back, but I think he is still better in his holding midfielder style. Uh, I am kind of disappointed in Thiago. Uh, I feel like he's been good but kind of still adjusting the league uh I, I don't think he's as much of a flop as Patrick or Werner for Chelsea but I mean I think he's still just you know finding his feet um I was gonna say I really didn't I really wasn't in touch with Liverpool's attack because I'm seeing a Rigi start and then I'm seeing him get subbed out even Mino Mino was in there and now he's at Southampton um Mane and and even Salah all of them were up there and it's, it's even uh, the ox is back and uh, yeah. Shakiri. I mean, everyone's everyone's playing in some form. But uh, checking again that golden boot race with most Allen, fifteen goals. I wouldn't be surprised if he continues his form and takes it away. And if the rumors are true, and we can add M, M back to that. I would, uh, you know, be overjoyed. But uh, I think I'd rather see the front three stay than uh, bring a tap in and uh, ship one of them out. And of course, how could I forget? The signing of uh, Hota from uh, Wolves has also been a great addition uh, with his, I believe, his versatility uh, between the central strength position and also the wing. Uh, it's been nice to have attackers that don't just play one position. I feel like they've been uh, switching that up a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm looking at Liverpool and I'm seeing third place. Just don't let City win. Yeah. <laughs> 
okay with that. But I think we need to – I mean, last year we won the Premier League. The year before that we won the Champions League. I'd love to do both, John Luca, but with these injuries, I don't know if this is going to be the year. I think one or the other, even if we make a deep run to the final and finish second, third place, I think it'll be a success for Hergen Klopp. But I do think we, you know, Hergen Klopp's contract, I don't know how far it goes, but I don't think he plans on renewing it. So I do hope to see some, at least one big title, hopefully more than that, uh, come back to Liverpool in the next uh, season or two. And finally, to round off my Liverpool analysis, when Hergen Klopp does leave, I really hope Steven Gerrard does become oh, a manager. Nice. Even what did... Rangers has been amazing, even though I am a big diehard Celtic. Yeah, I can't deny that what he's doing for Rangers has been. And I think, I think it would be a smart hire for Liverpool to follow. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with a lot of your points. You know. And I feel like the overall versatility of the team has definitely been an upside, especially with all these injuries. Um, I think they did pretty well. And with their signings and whatnot, you know, I, I just overall have been doing pretty well with that. Um, Klopp's been making the best of it. I, I don't think, you know, third place is necessarily bad for, you know, the situations they've been in. Um, overall, you know, yeah, I do agree that Tiago hasn't been good. Just overall, a lot of the Bundesliga signings have just been very underwhelming this year. Um, not exactly the best. But, uh, I, That's yeah. a good point. They I, are, they're all mostly from the Bundesliga. Yeah, I mean, really. It's just, it's just kind of a shame to see a lot of those guys just kind of go down and um, not get well. You know, hopefully they kind of do adjust to the league because obviously it's very different from um, their accustomed Bundesliga style of play. But I, I would really love to see... Um, Liverpool, you know, kind of be a little bit more significant than what they are right now. I think they could definitely pick it up a bit. And um, I think once they really kind of find their groove without Virgil van Dijk, because I think they're still kind of struggling to do so, um, I think they can definitely pull some good stuff off and, you know, hopefully make it at least to the top four and hopefully greater beyond it. Uh, Obviously, you know, speaking of flops in the Bundesliga, my lord, Chelsea has been dreadful. Um, it's, it's just, <laughs> yes. I really wanted Chelsea to succeed. As much as I've never been that big of a fan of Chelsea, I really wanted this to, to succeed this year. Honestly, loved Frank Lampard in his first year. I really did. Um, I mean, with, with a transfer ban and just making use of the young talent, I mean, he, he made it to – he finished third place with with no ability to transfer. And then he brings in Ziyech and Werner and Kai Havertz and Thiago Silva, and just like that, he's he's down to the center of the table, and he's been sacked, and I think that really is a shame. Um, just the, I really think he could have given him more time and more ability to adjust, just because, I mean, you know, obviously it could have been an overall morale thing, you know, maybe if just the guys just kind of stop listening to him, you know, and when the guys stop listening to you, you could be the most tactically refined player uh, manager in, in the world but it doesn't matter because it's not getting at the guys heads I mean you know if you look at the stats of their signings I mean they've just been very underwhelming overall Timo Werner has four goals and four assists in 19 matches and then you turn to Kai Havertz one goal two assists in 17 appearances and uh, Hakim Ziyech with one goal and three assists in 11 appearances it's just been it has not been good um, and hopefully they can turn around with Tuchel you know I, I haven't been a big fan of Tuchel um, you know, especially with his run at PSG, but 
I, I hope they can turn it around in the, in the newer signings. I guess, you know, kind of get some light shed on them and, and they start to improve their form or else things aren't going to be looking good for Chelsea or Thomas Tuchel either. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree with you on that one, John Luca. I love to see these big guys do well, especially when they're putting so much money and effort. But, you know, you, I do love to see the Leicesters and the West Ham somehow making it to the top six while these guys, uh, the big guns, are trying to figure out their form. The one say, thing I will say is Chelsea pre-transfer band was a nightmare for the rest of the top six. Their transfer power was just insane. They could bring guys like Fernando Torres back from Liverpool and a bunch of, just a bunch of other guys. And I hope they don't find that kind of form or else we might be looking at a, a Chelsea era for a couple couple seasons, which isn't the worst thing. Uh, I but it's not you the know, best either. <laughs> better to be Liverpool or Southampton yeah. than uh, yeah, Chelsea. Of course, and I mean, <laughs> you know, I guess talk about. I mean, you know, it's been kind of laughable. And speaking of laughable, <clears throat> Sheffield United. <laughs> you know, it's just. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> I I didn't want to laugh. I didn't want to laugh because I mean, I genuinely. Oh, I, think I, I genuinely did believe that they had some promise, and they were great last year, considering they were a newly promoted team with not a whole lot of noble names. And this year, they have just shat all over the place. And just terrible. I mean, it has been terrible. You know, I'm watching them. I'm watching highlights and, and matches and film. It's just, what are they? You know, a lot of the guys from last year that were playing great and a couple of new signings, guys like Sander Barish, who was who was a very good signing to the club, just falling off. I mean, they have, what, eight points in 20 games? Like, what is that? What is that? Yeah. I, like, I can't... Ninth to 20th. Not great. Horrendous. I'm sitting here. One of the worst starts in, in, EP, in the EPL season. And I mean, sitting there just that far below, I think it is far too late for reform for that club. And they're really just going to have to take the ass beatings for the rest of the year and learn next year when they're fighting in the championship. I, I, I don't find any hope for them. I really don't. Yeah. Even anyone in the relegation zone, I just, I'm just looking at this John Luke and it seems like a pretty solidified, uh, uh, relegation zone this year. I mean, you, you have a game at hand with Fulham and Brighton, uh, between 17th and 18th place, but there's still seven points. I mean, I don't know. It's not looking oh, good no. for the bottom yeah. three. There's still there's still a lot of man, there's still a lot of season left, but it's not looking good for the yeah, uh, I mean, bottom three. Anyway, in continuation with our <laughs> comical analysis. Don't say it. <laughs> what do you think of Arsenal? Oh, good lord! You know, I mean, with the way they're going now, I think they could genuinely turn it around. Isn't so so laughable. I mean, Aubameyang is scoring more frequently on his own net than he's scoring on opponents. He's got five goals, one assist in 17 games. Uh, 16th place at one point. Yeah. And an own 16th goal. 16th place at one point for yeah. a, a quote-unquote top 16 is absolutely horrendous. And Arteta just didn't get a grip. A lot of guys just weren't playing up to form. And it was just, I mean, I'd sit there and I would just laugh at my television just seeing the failures of this team, you know. Oh, it's. 
I mean, you know, no offense to Arsenal fans, but your team was just so shit for the longest time. <laughs> it's just, I know, you know, I feel like they might be picking up. You know, they might be doing a little better. But, I mean, just the beginning of that season might have really killed them off before they could even try to redeem themselves. And, I mean, it's just been horrid. It has been horrid. I mean, you know, on the bright side, there are plenty of young talents that have connected um, with each other. You know, guys like uh, Smith Rowe, um, Niketia, sorry, and just um, just a just a lot of other guys, and you know I feel like if they can build up and as they age and mature, they might get a little better, and you know maybe the team will be better off. But just the way that um, Arteta's rotating his players and just that god awful defense, I cannot see them getting any better um, in the coming weeks and just the remainder of the season. I I could not see them getting in the Europa League um, or anywhere near that kind of uh, kind of status in the Prem this year. Yes, I agree. I would place bets on Lazio uh, instead of Arsenal in the Europa League, which isn't saying much for Arsenal. And the last thing I would add is that the two biggest bright spots in addition to the young talent is they finally offloaded Shakhtar Mustafi to <laughs> Schalke. What a what a horrible storyline, Mustafi and Arsenal. And they also finally, I'm sure the um, the, the payroll people are finally very happy at shipping off Ozil to Fenerbahce. I mean, I really hope Ozil gets a, a little more playing time than he has in like the past oh, yeah. five or so seasons riding the bench for Arsenal, uh, because what a great player. Um, I mean, I don't know whose call that was just to bench him, but I mean, that, that raises some very big questions for yes. the Arsenal hierarchy. But anyway, Arsenal fans, you can answer those for yourselves in self-reflection. <laughs> Moving on, yeah. we, have, we have the Wolves that um you know they were they were a solid mid table uh team but right now they're sitting in 14th place and i think a lot of that has to do with the controversial Raul Jimenez injury what do you I think mean, about Raul that Jimenez, it was a, it was a brutal injury you know it was it was bad and i think you know he was really the facilitator he was the enforcer of that club um because i mean he was the one that put the ball in the back of the net you know he was that guy that all of the skilled players and all the pacey guys that they have you know, all that wonderful talent could really, and he was kind of like that final piece of the puzzle. And now they're missing it. Guys like Neto and Silva and Poldans and, and, and just guys like that just can't really build. You know, Adama Traore has kind of disappeared into the void. Um, just so many guys around Jimenez, but now that Jimenez is kind of missing, it's very hard for them to build a proper structure in what they're doing. And it's just, it's just hard for them to actually put the ball in the back of the net. You know, like I said, they have very good skill players, some very young talent, all being Portuguese, obviously. <laughs> but um, you know, it's just <laughs> I can't see them succeeding without Jimenez, and in the circumstances they're in right now. Um, you know, their defense is still pretty good. Uh, the midfield's not bad, but you know, building up, it's just without Jimenez, um, I don't think they'll be able to put many opportunities away. Because um, like even the a lot of the talent, they're just, they're very young and they're very kind of naive, you know? Yes. They got to have yeah. someone to rely on. And I don't think they have that right now. And adding to their central striker woes, I mean, I know Patrick Boutron hasn't been the best of the best. He's yes. Cristiano yes. Ronaldo. But tipping him off Valencia on loan 
maybe might not be the best thing for their death guard. I don't know if they brought anything, anyone in, but um, I know that's one of the deadline day moves we might talk about later. But I don't know if, uh, you know, lessening their depth chart on central striker, especially with their main guy injured, would have been yeah. the best idea. But anyway, as we said before, the bottom three, nothing much to say. They've been struggling uh, with the promotion problems, um, all except Sheffield <laughs> United, yeah. of course. They weren't promoted, promoted a couple of years ago. So, yeah, that's, that's the Premier League. Again, dynamic table. Stay tuned. Um, I will say... Uh, in terms of dynamic table, eighth place Everton, ninth place Aston Villa, both having two games at hand. Um, pay attention to those teams at, at hand. Do the math uh, for all those paying attention to the table because tenth place Arsenal looks like hey, they're only four points off of West Ham. But when you consider Aston Villa and Everton both win the next two games, yeah. then you know if Arsenal, the next game they're still only six or seven. That's not European football, and that's the European football gets the stars. All right, anyway, moving on to the Bundesliga. (coughs) Luca, I mean, pretty typical with Bayern Munich leading the charge, a disgusting 57 goals in 19 matches. I mean, that is, that is, yeah, that is a nice three goals for match. Robert Lewandowski taking a good chunk of those, 24 goals. uh, By far the top scorer in the top five leagues right now. I mean, uh, you know, we got RB Leipzig, of course, uh, doing pretty well despite a lot of losses. You know, guys like Timo Werner um, coming off, but a lot of their young talent, a lot of their um, just overall guys that were kind of lurking in the shadows when when Werner was around, have kind of really broken out of the shell, and it's it's very it's been very pleasing to watch. Uh, Leipzig is is a pretty fun team to watch, and you know, keep in keep in mind with them moving into the round of sixteen to the Champions League as well. Um, obviously, they beat United out for that spot, and that um very Competitive group alongside uh, PSG and Istanbul Bashaksha here. Um, you sit there, you got uh, VFL Wolfsburg in, in third. Um, you know, Wolfsburg have been very on and off, you know, going from 13th place and shifting to mid table. And then, you know, every once in a while, they'll make a nice appearance on top. And it's exactly what they're doing now. And of course, you got Eintracht Frankfurt, or, you know, in a, in a, in a very literal sense, I don't know, Frankfurt. <laughs> whatever you want to call it, but uh, 33 points in 19 matches. They've been doing very well. Um, a lot of guys have really been stepping up for them, and um, it's, it's been pretty special to watch. You know, I think I've honestly, a lot of the Bundesliga games I've caught, um, Frankfurt have been playing in a lot of them, and they're, they're they're a fun team to watch. I'll give it to them. And, of course, Leverkusen as well. Kai Havertz leaving the club was definitely a very detrimental loss. Nonetheless, it was a, they, they've still been doing very well. Um, you know, youngsters like Leon Bailey and, and guys like Lucas Alario and Patrick Schick doing very well to really keep that team's hopes alive. And the structure of their team is still pretty settled, and I really enjoy watching them. And obviously, Dortmund have had their problems um, shifting in and out of the uh, the top six, not exactly doing their best. But um, you know, Holland's been phenomenal. Um, Sancho um, has has been kind of disappointing this year, in my opinion. Uh, their defense has been kind of on and off. Um, and I, I think their squad needs a different kind of depth chart when you're sitting there and, you know, they're talking about a lot of central midfielders. They lack a bit in wingers, but I think the young talent and uh, a very prolific goal scorer up top really makes up for it. And of course, you've got Mönchengladbach and a newly promoted U- Union Berlin in 7th and 8th. Um, so those two teams are all watched out, uh, watched out for. 
And of course, Lewandowski leading the league with six, excuse me, 24 goals behind him, 16 goals for the Frankfurt striker, Andre Silva, 14 goals for Holland and, uh, with Weghorst and Andre Kramerich with 13 apiece to make up the top scorers. And, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Bayern's a dangerous team when the top three assist leaders in the league are, uh, are all from Bayern Munich. You got Joshua with 10, Thomas Muller and Kingsley Coman with nine, um, which has been incredible, you know, just watching that team succeed. And, um, you know, overall, and I mean, just looking even at their past, Evan, with, with guys like Robin Schweinsteiger, Frank Ribery, Philip Lahm all leaving, they still managed to keep that same level of consistency despite all of those legends leaving in, in relatively recent times, you know? Yes, I agree. I mean, I feel like their dominance of uh, the Bundesliga may resemble a bit of uh, PSG's unopposed dominance, but I think when, you know, you bring them into the European lens... Bayern obviously wins that battle, and I think they have staying power that makes uh, everyone a little nervous to face them. you got a great combination of, again, relatively young guys. I mean, Kingsley Coleman isn't in, in you know, his early 20s anymore, but he's still relatively young. you got Alfonso Davies in the left-back place tearing it up, uh, one of the biggest Canadian talents we've heard, I think, yeah. in a couple, couple years. And you got that combined with still – uh, Thomas Muller and the top assist leaders who's been around for many a long year and uh, Neuer in the back and uh, even oh oh not my uh, Nicholas Sula is probably no, in Dutch no. Jerome Boateng yeah, as well and um, Pavard yes Lucas yes, him and, uh, you know, still I mean, there. this goes on and just the depth that they've built I mean you know they got Corentin Toliso on the bench as well um, you know, Talisa is not a better player, player to have at all. Um, you know, uh, you know, last year having guys like and even Serge Gnabry is another guy. You know that a lot of people haven't been talking about oh, yeah. nearly as much as they should and, as of late. Yeah, and even uh, oh yeah, Sane, Sane well. transferred I in forget there, about right? Giving Kingsley Coleman, so like the depth that they have, yeah, mixed with just the overall brilliant talent. I mean, they're I a know. very scary team. And the, indeed, and the ability to hold on to those top-class players who, you know, instead of searching for first-team regular football, they're willing to ride the bench uh, in such a team. You know, that's truly amazing. You don't find that with a lot of lot of teams these days. So, yeah, Bayern Munich, one to watch, not only for the Bundesliga, of course. That's oh, almost yeah. implied at this point. But um, especially... Uh, when it comes to Europe. Yeah, and I can football. confidently say uh, that team, they are the best team in the world right now. Um, it's just, it's incredible with what they've done. And um, with more competition than ever, dare I say, in the Bundesliga, um, they're definitely still holding their ground and dominating with just that incredible goal differential, like you mentioned, and just a very impressive team. Yes, indeed. So uh, moving on, of course, we got, like I said, RB Leipzig, a lot of youngsters, guys like Nkunku, Tyler Adamsdale, Upamakano, um, a good variety of goal scorers. If you look at the stats as well, you know, there's not one guy really dominating the offense, which makes him kind of hard to read. You know, guys like Yusuf Poulsen, Marcel Zabitza as well, really coming in and playing their role. Um, of course, you got guys like um, Ibrahim Konate and Mukiele in the back, Halstenberg, it's like Danny Olmo. I mean, they really are an enjoyable team to kind of just keep track of 
And um, they're kind of, they can be very unpredictable in uh, how they run things. And I think that's very fun to watch. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if you've quite um, caught up with them a whole lot this year. But, you know, from what I've seen, it's, it's an enjoyable team to, to cheer for and to keep up with. Yeah, I haven't picked up on a couple of their games this year, but I know in the past I've seen them. And I think a big part is they're really doing a great job of establishing their early history oh, as yeah. a club. Uh, for being established less than two decades ago, I mean, uh, it's it's nice to have that, uh, to come into a top-tier league and not having uh, like, oh, this is how Leipzig plays, this is their formation, this is what, how they're going to attack a game. I think they still got the ability to be a dynamic there. And I think the the variety of goal scorers, like you said, and, you know, I mean, everyone you mentioned is, you know, pretty well-known soccer players. None of them are like, oh, that guy's plays yeah. for Leipzig. So it's a very spread out, uh, very spread out team, but still really, really strong. And I hope to see a lot of success from them in the coming years. And I will say them and the other places in the top six, besides Bayern Munich and Dortmund, they seem to be having a decent amount of resilience, even with the Premier League and La Liga and other leagues rating them uh, for their younger talent. Um, they still seem to be doing just fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, I completely agree. Just that they know they're holding on. And obviously, you move more down the table. Honestly, um, teams like Munchen Gladbach, um, Wolfsburg, and Frankfurt are all kind of teetering. Around um, if I just come and if I just look at the table briefly, um, you know there is a very small, um, I guess just kind of hole between a lot of these teams that we see here. So um, let's see, yeah, I mean if you look at um, between fourth place Eintracht Frankfurt and seventh place Mönchengladbach, there is one point between all of them. So tomorrow, and um, in Wolfsburg's at 35. So if you're sitting here, you got a plus 13 goal differential on uh, Leverkusen and a plus 11 goal differential on Wolfsburg. Uh, and Leverkusen picks up a win, they're, they're right back up to third. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very um, competitive table. It's, it's, it's pretty fun to watch. And uh, honestly, Union Berlin have been a pretty good team, obviously, for a newly promoted side. Um, I mean, just overall, it's, it's been a fun league to watch. Um, you know, guys like Dortmund, like I said before, it's, it, they've been kind of struggling to find youngsters and, I guess, managerial veteran players to kind of work alongside each other. And I think that's a part of why they're kind of falling in the table a bit more this year, sitting in sixth place right now with 32 points. Um, obviously, they can still come back. They have a very talented squad. They can definitely do it. But, you know, with a lot of the competition, I, I, could, I could see Dortmund missing out on the Champions League, as, as weird as that can be. You know, 19 games, they play about, what, yeah. 34? Yeah, 34 every year. I mean, I could definitely see them not playing on the on the UEFA Champions League scheme, maybe the Europa League. But uh, the Champions League scheme could, could be a little out of reach with uh, the way things are looking right now. Yeah, I think that would be an ironic ending to a year if Bayern were to win the Champions League to add an extra spot to the Bundesliga, therefore giving Dortmund European football. I think that would be quite an end to the season uh but but we'll see uh aside from the top of the league you have uh you know some classic struggling stories like Arminian 16th they were newly promoted I've honestly never seen them in the Neither league have I. um hopefully they'll make a reappearance or stay in this year I will say uh guys like Hertha Berlin and FC Köln that actually weren't horrible in the past years I'm surprised to see them 14th 15th 
They're usually mid-table players. Yeah. Uh, and but but Schalke, <laughs> the Sheffield United of That's Bundesliga. Beautiful. I mean, you hate yes. to see it, but a negative. 34 goal Ooh, differential. I that's mean, that's got to be in the man. bottom five of oh, the yeah. top leagues. It's, it's bad. I mean, and a lot of it has been, you know, the front office has been absolutely terrible. And, you know, their talent has just lost all hope. You know, um, Matthew Hoppe actually was a was a American talent that actually looked fairly promising. So, um, you know, turning onto that list of hopeful American talent, um, it's a and um, just touching up on, you know, I guess more mid-table, I think Mönchengladbach could definitely move up and play Champions League football um, this next coming year. I mean, they were great. And as much as it pains me to say as an Inter fan, um, they genuinely were a great team. And um, Oh, yeah, I forgot yeah, about I, that, I, yeah. I, I Inter never said that. playing Europa League Not football. even. Nope, they, they didn't even make it Europa League. <sighs> no, oh, they, they did fourth. Oh, the team line yeah, is playing. Oh, oh that's pain. That. Pain. Oh man, and they are definitely those who are down at not familiar football. Is very capable of at least Europa League football. They are having a hell of a year. <laughs> you think second. so? Huh? You think Syria. so? You know what? With that position, should we just move on? Yeah, to Syria? I mean, um, yeah, but I just you know, our notable players: Ben Zakaria, Jan Sommer, Brian Boyo, Tiram and Plia. Stendhal's got nine goals and four assists. Um, defense can be a problem as they've actually conceded the most goals out of the top eight teams. Um, yeah, so they they got some stuff to work on, but they could definitely make it to the Champions League next year. Hopefully, we will have won the league by yeah. then, which turns our attention to Serie A. Um, uh, one of my favorite leagues, obviously, as it is also Evan's favorite league. So we got we got a lot more to talk about, you know. Um, I mean, seeing yes, here the Milan's teams are dominating again. It's pretty fun to watch. It's kind of refreshing to see Juventus not killing everyone, um, as we all kind of expected. Milan's at 46 points. Inter Milan, 44. AS Roma with 40 points. Juventus, 39. Napoli, 37. Lazio, 37. Um, notable omissions, 7th place Atalanta with Gasparini. And ninth place Hellas Verona with 30 points. I mean, uh, what are you thinking, Evan, just for this season? You know, I mean, just what are your thoughts, you know? Uh, so I'm thinking I haven't heard AC Milan and Inter Milan dominating the top of the table since I got into Syria in five years when actually I think, you know, I don't know. I met someone who was a big Milan fan, and they said, hey, I'm going there. I can bring you back to Bruzy. They never did. But <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I should, you know, I should check out, I should check out the, the Italian league, and I fell in love instantly, especially with uh, AS Roma, unfortunately, right after Tiati retired. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think it's a very dynamic uh, table right now, just like the other leagues. Um, I'm, again, happy that Juventus, Juventus is not dominating everyone right now, although they certainly are capable of doing it for the rest of the year. So I, hopefully we can discount them as a title challenger sooner rather than yeah. later. <laughs> I'm still praying that Roma doesn't pull a Roma and end up in seventh place at the end <laughs> for all those uh, not accompanied with Italian football. They are basically have the consistency of the Cleveland Browns pre this year. So you can expect them to shit the bed at pretty much any moment whether they're facing the first-place team or Spezia. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, oh man. Um, uh, don't get yeah, me started on that. To, anyway, I mean, and then so it's, I think in the top seven here, you got two echelons. You got the the Ju- Juventus, Roma, Inter Milan, and Milan. They are definitely solid, tighter challengers. But the the right below them are definitely you know Napoli, Lazio, Atalanta, even. Sassuolo and Verona, for um, a lesser extent, still have a decent chance of playing European football. And I think the, uh, the solidity of that the top seven has been the top seven for a lot, uh, a couple yeah. of years now, has made Syria very competitive in European league football because one day you might get the classic Juventus lineup. The next day, we might get Atlanta with a bunch of people that no one knows. Corn five goes past you before you can say anything. And yep. then you might return to Juventus and surprise, there's new young talent. They got one of the best center backs in the world and that's uh, delight. And oh, they add Cristiano Ronaldo to the list. I mean, yep. and then even Barcelona had a very rude awakening against uh, Roma couple years ago with Costas Manolas <laughs> and uh, yeah. even Eden Jaco. That was that was a beauty to watch. Uh, I'm sure it was for uh, you. I watched that highlight video at least eight times. Yeah. Anyway, going back to the on topic here, uh, I think, what do you think, John Luca, about this season so far? Overall, it's been very entertaining. And, I mean, just looking at the top scorers even just tells you the story. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, 15 goals. Lukaku, 14. Chiro Immobile, 13. Slatan Ibrahimovic, 12 goals. Luis Muriel and Joe Pedro with 11 each. Okay, so if just looking at this in context, okay, you have a 35-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo with 15 goals. You have, let's see, how old is Romelu Lukaku? Maybe like late 20s, early 30s, somewhere, something like that. He is, let me see, 27, so not entirely old. Chiro Immobile, um, which is, he's obviously been established as a, just a class striker overall. Um, he's sitting at thirty, and a thirty-nine-year-old Slatan Ibrahimovic, the Chuck Norris of football, if I may say so myself, <laughs> with twelve goals. That is a great comparison. I mean, he's just—he is—he is a god of of football. I mean, he is thirty-nine. He takes a little break here in the retirement league, you know, with the MLS. He comes back and he just cracks in loads of goals and really leading this AC Milan team to a very successful season. It has just been so fun to watch, so fun to keep up with. It has been insane, the fact that a 39-year-old man would be dominating a league such as City. If you told me three years ago, when he's still playing for LA Galaxy, that he would be in the top five goal scorers in, in 2021, I would have shit my pants. It's just, <laughs> it, is, it is great to watch, and... You know, with Inter... And no, I'm sorry? No offense to Inter Milan. They've been great. But it has been inspiring to see AC Milan, who's had loads of young talent go in and out uh, uh, their doors. And, I mean, you know, finally have a veteran to come in here and say, you know what, I'm going to lead these boys um, to a good title challenge. I mean, it's nice to see. Yeah, it really uh, is. Back to your thoughts on Inter Milan. Oh, yeah. I mean, Inter, I feel like, have been kind of developing... They've kind of been finding their form with Conte's style of play, you know. And finally, Christian Eriksen's actually getting playing time. I've honestly hated how Conte's barely utilized the man after spending 40 million euros on him just to have him sitting on the bench. But, you know, I think that uh, that Coppa Italia goal, that beautiful free kick in, in, um, at a time, 
that free kick from Addison really, I think, uh, kind of impressed Conti and maybe got his head out of his ass with it. And uh, just like that, you know, we are we're moving on to bigger and better things. Addison's getting more playing time. Lukaku and Lotaro have been absolutely phenomenal up top. Um, our defense has been great. Bastoni is a quick-growing centre-back, only 21 years of age. Skriniar and Devray, I'd say, could both be top 10 or top 15 in the world right now in the defending category. Our, de- our midfield has been um, somewhat somewhat interesting. You know, I, I like uh, Conte's overall just ideology of having those scrappy, aggressive guys in the midfield, you know, with Raja Nangolan, Arturo Vidal, Marcelo Brozovic, um, Stefano Sensi, Nicola Barella, you know, all those guys really kind of coming together. And, you know, Addison obviously trying to get uh, involved in the mix. And it's it's yeah. all been... So- it's a hell of a midfield unit. It, it is. One of the Three of them in any combination of those. Oh yeah, I mean, and of course Atraf Hakimi. Yeah, it's I know it's like yeah. Then you got the winger. I mean, it's been Inter Milan definitely's got. Yeah, we've got some. We um, got a hell of a team. We got a hell of a future as well. I think we got a lot of good youngsters in uh, Pinamonti, Esposito, and whatnot. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I I've, I love uh, I have great respect for Milan sitting where they are, but I also have great respect for uh, my own team, Inter Milan, Forza Nerazzurri. We're going to make it there someday. Of course, uh, moving on, we've got the assist leaders. Henrik Mkhitaryan with eight goals and eight assists on the season. Um, Lads finally getting back. You know, he form. added to his talent the other day. I think he's at nine now. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. seeing seeing him uh, and Chris Smalling. I mean, Rome was really picked up a couple of EPL flops and seeing even Alvaro Morata in the assist leaders too. I mean, I mean, it seems like a couple people who have lost their form and the other leagues just said, hey, let's go to Syria. Yeah. And then they're coming back and they get to make history again. Kind of cool. Right. And then routing out the leader's table is uh, Dries Mertens of Napoli. Uh, some other notable season facts I'm sure John Luke will be happy about. Uh, Inter Milan registering the most goals scored at 49. Sir. You know, that's not too far Bayern Munich. Uh, yeah. And best goal difference still plus 26 there. Mentis still uh, with the best defense, uh, only 18 goals conceded. That, that's pretty good. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, to some in-depth team analysis. Don Luca, you want to still elaborate on this? I mean, like, you know, I way? think I've honestly said enough. Like I said, Lotaro and Lukaku continuing to prove themselves as a genuine threat of a sp- uh, striker partnership, you know. Like uh, uh, they complement each other very well. Um, you know, the way that Lotaro is much more of a quick you know, uh, pacey kind of spaz guy, you know, plenty of dribbling, great skill, um, great speed, and Lukaku's a, a finisher, you know, much more of a target man. He's He's got quite the boot on his leg, and uh, he's overall just a genuine threat, a uh, very good player overall, you know, just a great finisher. And I feel like those two really do balance each other out very well, and with the players surrounding them, they can also improve through that. Um, also, you know, of course, uh, 12 goals and nine appearances for Zlatan. Again, 39 years old, which is incredible. Roma has built a very solid team, like I said before. Um, yeah. Henrik Mkhitaryan, nine goals and eight assists. Um, Jordan Vettitu is a guy I haven't heard it from in a long time. Um, seven goals and two assists with an 89% pass success rate. Um, just very, very well. Yeah, but I've loved this Roma team. I feel like every single game there's a new young hero, and when you can pair him with uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan, even for a mayor all who stepped in uh, with uh, six goals and two assists, 14 matches. It's pretty average, but you know, for Roma, 
you don't understand. Six goals and two assists, uh, you know, could win, win a couple games here and there. And I think with time, uh, he could be a solid replacement for Eden Zako. Bringing uh, Stefan Ashawe back in, which uh, I'm excited to see him back in uh, with all the young talent though, that they've got running around. And they might not be, you know, under 23 young talent, but maybe in the 20, 25-ish, you have uh, Mancini in the back, obviously. Uh, it just seems like with all these veterans, as long as they can put in a goal or assist a game, one of the youngsters is going to step up every game when you have uh, – 10 of them around 25 is going to step in and, uh, you know, really make a difference either from the midfield, the fullback positions, or even a, a winger essential striker. So I'm very happy with this Roma team. But again, like I said before, they can shit the bed at literally any moment. And I just, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I they've already done it with the domestic cup, so maybe, maybe they can uh, <laughs> pull it off. Make and a solid crazy, <laughs> you know, no, I, I could settle for that. A third place finish in the Europa League final or semifinal, I, I could settle for that and build as long as they can uh, build off because they've been going through managers. Oh yeah, and I think uh, you know, bringing in a guy from the Ukrainian league. <sighs> Well, it was an interesting decision, but I think it's I think it could work out, and I, I really hope it does. Um, yeah, it's always interesting to, uh, for me to see the Serie A and how much of an influence they have on picking up Eastern European talent uh, from right across that little that little sea that I can't really think of uh, yeah. <laughs> what the name is. <laughs> but yeah, between especially if you want to look, take a look at Atalanta's team. I mean, uh, oh, I don't yeah. know. Atalanta's been brilliant. Um, and I think Gasparini's very attacking mindset, you know, um, honestly, their their transitional defense can look like a game of Fall Guys at times. Uh, you know, um, if anybody's played Fall Guys, that uh, that I guess I guess you consider football. You know, it's basically soccer, but with different kinds of balls. And it's just I don't know. I don't know if you've ever played Fall Guys, Evan, but uh, the guys who have can certainly um, certainly kind of get a crack out of that. But I mean, it's just like it's their transitional defense is very bad, but their offense is phenomenal. Um, obviously, Papu Gomez left, and a Serie A legend, if I may say so myself. Um, but they can definitely make up for him. They signed Viktor Kovalenko from the Ukrainian league, very solid player. Ruslan Malinovsky's been great. Duvan Zapata and Luis Muriel as well have been great. Their midfield guys like Hatubur, um, Robin Gosens, and um, some other guys have also been very good. Hosted Bilicic. Oh, yeah. I don't know Hosted if he's Bilicic still making a well. But he's a great for anyone. Oh, yeah. He, he's a oh. phenomenal player. Um, so, yeah. I mean, overall, their team is very promising. And they are incredibly fun to watch. I mean, they almost made it to what? I, the, the semifinals of the Champions League. If it wasn't for Chupamalting, that is. But, uh, um, yeah, that was... Uh, oh, I was... Wait, was it... I'm sorry? He was playing for BSG at that point, right? Chupo Martin. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. He scored. He literally came on like the 85th and managed to knock in a goal. And at a time after he had equalized, it was uh, kind of sad. You know, I was kind of happy yeah, at work. Indeed. I looked at my phone. And next thing you know, uh, I, I lost. Yeah, it, was, it was sad. But um, nonetheless, they could definitely redeem themselves in seventh place. I could definitely see them picking up, uh, things up as the season moves yeah. along. And, um, of course, um, but actually going back to Roma, uh, another thing to mention was, um, you know, they haven't been able to quite prove themselves with upper table teams 
as they've tied Juventus Inter Milan and also losing to Atalanta Lazio Napoli by larger margins and also having the most goals conceded in the upper half of the table with 33. You know, they still got some work to do. Um, you know, obviously when you oh, have Nicky Carsdorp as your wing back, it's it's not looking good for you on a defensive side of things. But overall, just a team with some good problems. But, <laughs> but when you have Leonardo Spinazzola on the other yeah, wing back, oh, you got to be saying a prayer. But don't ask me why Bruno Perez is still on the bench. Yeah, it's um, interesting. I don't know. It, it, it's a very interesting Roma defense, but it is still a Roma defense. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we're just reducing the amount of times we can shit the bend against uh, <laughs> lower teams. Right. Uh, I think I hope we can continue to do that. Yeah, and, step you know, in the right direction. You know that loss against Lazio did hurt my morale, but yeah. I mean tying Juventus, Inter, and Milan. You know it's it's no easy feat uh, right. for Roma. Uh, yeah, we'll continue on. Well, we're just. <laughs> There are many anxieties about Roma right oh, now. Well, yeah, well, same with Inter. Having Ashley Young starting at left mid is not exactly having me sitting here with a smile on my face, but uh, it is what it is. With Alexis right behind him. Ooh, don't even say that guy. Oh, no. no. Anyway, <laughs> so, of course, um, just more guys, you know, with uh, Atalanta, like we've talked before. Um, Lazio, not the form as they were in last year. You know, obviously still a top six. And they have a very, honestly, a star-studded squad from the year prior. Chido Immobile still in the top three scorers of the league with Leicester having 36 goals, which is honestly incredible. Lad's still a top-class striker. They got guys like Serge Malinkovic-Savage, Luis Alberto, um, Johnny, Lucas Leva. You know, just they have a very solid team overall. And I would love to see them build on top of that. Honestly, Strakosha has been a pretty decent goalkeeper for them as well. Um, and I could, I really could see them moving on to bigger and better things as they have been doing quite well, honestly, in the in the Champions League as well. So I, I honestly, I just I, I enjoy Lazio playing, and um, Chiro Immobile if he can continue playing as well as he usually does up front. And, uh, you know, Marco Polo is another veteran guy kind of leading the team. It's uh, it's looking mm-hmm. good for them, honestly. Yeah, and with you got a, a Cherby in the back and Pepe Reina between the posts. <laughs> I mean, those are, some, those are some classic names for anyone not familiar with football. They've been around for a long, a long time. time. Uh, but they seem to be doing just fine for Lazio. So yeah. hopefully that holds up. And uh, Verona's in ninth place. Um, oh, they, they kind of always exceed expectations, you know. They always they always play better than people expect. I think, you know, despite their extremely racist fan base, um, it, it's... <laughs> we should, we oh, got to do a was, special podcast say, I could episode. I sit here and talk for three hours about... <laughs> anti-Semitism uh, Oh, anti-Semitic is just the start of it. This is I was going to say, I could write a list of grievances of that club's fan base. But hey, they got some good players. Um, yeah. You know, I I think people should start taking them more seriously um, as a team. And it's just you know, that honestly, they you know, I wouldn't say they're exactly the most entertaining team to watch, but they definitely are very effective in their own sense. And um, they get it yeah, done. Yeah, they get it done. And of course, uh, I think the last thing we really need to touch up on. Obviously, nobody's surprised that you know Crotone and Spezia and all those teams are in the bottom. But Torino, man, I mean. They're they're trying to turn things around after hiring a new manager. Just got a nice win, um, with a whole just, oh, this awful start to the season. 
Um, you know, Andrea Bellotti's been with the club since 2015. Um, he's never he's never been in the top six. He was seventh in the 18-19 season, three ninth place finishes, and only a little bit of Europa League football. Despite being honestly a very respectable striker, you know, I think he could definitely move or kept definitely and should move on to bigger and better things. But I honestly respect the guy for being with a such of a shit show of a front office for so long. Yes, and I think. Um... Yeah, I, I do wonder about his international prospects. Had he moved to a different, uh, had he moved to a different club? But I don't, yeah, I don't know. Again, respectable striker, but you hate to see him uh, sitting in seventeenth with poor Torino. And Torino were never again three ninth place finishes. There, I don't know. I don't take offense to this, but maybe about the Southampton of CBA. yeah, yeah, I could. But just having a bit of a problem this season. Yeah, and uh, I think that really wraps it up for Serie A. Now we move on to La Liga, um, ah, which is, the Spanish you know, um, has been kind of shocking to see a lot of teams um, and, and what's been going on. But, I mean, Atletico Madrid, man, you know, I've always kind of been a fan of them. I wouldn't say I, – I would say they're my favorite team in La Liga. Um, and, they, and they are genuinely enjoyable to watch, especially this year. Luis Suarez has really been proving that he doesn't need Lionel Messi and guys like that to, uh, to, for him to really be good. I mean, he's really shut up a lot of critics. 50 points in 19 matches for Madrid. Still have a game in hand. Uh, Barcelona's in second, and uh, Real Madrid in third, both with 40 points. Sevilla with 39 and fourth. Fifth place, Villarreal, 35 points. And Real Sociedad, despite a rock-solid start to the season, sitting in sixth with 32 points. And, of course, some notable omissions. Eighth place, Granada, with 29 points. Then there are 21 matches. And 14th place, which is something I did not expect, Valencia with 23 points in 21 matches. Um, Valencia, I'm not really sure what's really happened to them. You know, obviously they've had some good talent go away, but going from, you know, as, um, in the Champions League last year to, to being in yeah, such a it, horrendous position and what they're in now, it's it's kind of sad to see. And But, um, of course, top scorers, like we said, Luis Suarez leading the, leading the charge of 14. Um, Lionel Messi and Yusuf and and the city, another honestly a pretty good youngster, a guy kind of kind of coming absolutely out of nowhere and playing very bloody well. Um, twelve yeah. twelve goals apiece. Gerard Moreno and Karim Benzema with ten goals each, um, assists. Iago Aspas with six, Anahol Correa with six, and uh, Jorge De Frutos with five for Levante, and um, a lot of other players all have five as well. So, you know, um, you know, Devin, you're gonna say, excuse me, Evan. <laughs> Sorry, I was playing. I was talking football with my uh, manager. And uh, my my job is named Stefan, but uh, yeah, I mean, Evan, what are your, um, what, I mean, what are you really thinking about La Liga? You know, with all those stats in mind, you know, you have any? You know, I think comments? I think there's uh, there's almost a paradigm shift with the top three with Atletico coming in at first, shipping off Antoine Griezmann at the perfect timing to bring it in Luis Suarez. I mean, that it, it, it's looking like a really good piece of business for Atletico right now. Yeah. And I've always respected Diego Samuel and what he's been able to do with that team and how he's just able to just just preclude other teams from scoring goals. I mean, we're talking ten goals allowed in nineteen matches. That's almost a goal only every other game. I mean That's incredible. Talk about strikers. Um, if it's hard to score in the Liga, just look at Atletico. And then also, I think you've got a shuffle going on in the mid-table right now. I mean, we're used to, you know, seeing again Valencia finishing fourth place two years ago. Even Hitafe 
uh, in fifth two years ago, and now those teams, uh, Valencia is second, fourteenth, and Catholic is twelfth. I mean, he even had Espanol at seventh, and then they got relegated last year. Yeah, um, there's definitely a bit of a shift going on again. Sevilla still. Uh, Sevilla still doing very. I mean, they're doing quite well. Up, but they're, you know, they're hanging on. Yeah, especially they may have with a guy like uh, Papu Gomez. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The new signing of Papu Gomez, I mean, like I said, Serie A legend. I really want that to see what he That is a statement signing. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I'm sad to see him leave, but I think I think, he, I think, think if there's one old guy, and I mean, dare I say he's old, I mean, he's what, 30-something. He's 30-something. Uh, but he's still one of, one of the very fast player, and I think he will be ready for La Liga when they go there. Um, but yeah, like Bill Real, Real Sociedad, and uh, Betis, and even uh, Granada, I mean... We've seen them mid-table, but now we're like, crap, they're playing European football. Let's see what they can do against some of the other giants and some of the other leagues. I think La Liga's a very exciting place to watch right now, and it's not like the annoyingly the by far best team in the world just because it has Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, they don't have Ronaldo. Yeah. And even uh, Messi might be out the door, but if Suarez continues to tear it up, he might be one of the star strikers. Uh, I think I think he's got enough staying power to be there at least three to five years and uh, to put up at least double digit goal numbers. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I, I think again, like some of the other leagues we've seen so far, very dynamic table except for the top spot, uh, which may be arguably one of the more dominant top spots we've seen in among the top five leagues this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, so again, pay attention to those uh, games at hand, especially at the top. Um, and we'll just uh, continue watching. Absolutely. Um, and going off of what you're saying, I mean, I mean, just looking at the star power of this Atletico team, you know, I mean, there's a reason they've only conceded about 10 goals this year. You got Jose Maria Jimenez, Rena Modi, Stefan Savic, Felipe, Hermoso, Kieran Trippier, Simeon Versaljico. I mean, all these guys are just like household names, obviously, for this club, a lot of them. Kieran Trippier, relatively new signing, it's still being great. And you move on to the midfield. Um, you got Cadobia, Torreira, Coque, Niguez, um, Thomas Yamar. Carrasco? Yeah, Yannick Ferreira, Carrasco, Vitolo, Hector Herrera, um, Marcos Llorente. You know, and of course, you can't forget about the front line, not only Luis Suarez, but Joe Felix, one of the best youngsters in the world right now. Only 21, yes, a record signing for the club, but he's been doing quite well. The, the new transfer, Musa Dembele from Olympique Lyon. Um, Angel Correa has been holding his ground. Overall, just a phenomenal team um, in the grand scheme of things. On paper, a great team. And, of course, have been really proving themselves in the league as well. Yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's basically all. Uh, Villarreal is the only team we really didn't cover a lot. Um, of course, Gerard Moreno is honestly leading the charge. Their defense has been doing all right. Um and I'd like to see where they go, honestly. Yes. Villarreal don't have a whole lot of young talent. Well, uh, Sociedad, not either. But I think the, the signing of David Silva has improved their club's uh, re- recognition and also just their their uh, their play as well. David Silva's been very good for the team. And obviously, he's proven to be a very integral signing to the club. And, you know, let's see what he can do with them uh, down the line. Yes. Can you hear me, by the way? Yeah. Any chance? All right. Sorry. I, I thought I had technical difficulties on this end. No. All right. Anyway, are we ready to move on to the uh, 
little significance in uh, the French League right now, PSG not being at the top and actually having a chance of not being in the top immediately next week. Yeah. And you look at uh, Lille de France, 48 points in 22 matches. Lyon have 46 and 22. PSG have 45 and 22. Monaco, 42 and 22. Uh, and then there's a huge drop-off. Rennes with 36 and 21. And uh, FC Metz. And, of course, notable omissions with Marseille with 32 points. And OGC Nice with 26. Honestly, there's not like a whole lot to really cover all other than the fact that Lyon and uh, Los Lille have been playing very well this year. Um, Lille obviously have some great guys, uh, some great guys like Jonathan Bamba, Jonathan Ikone, Yosef Yukitsky, Mike Magnan's a great keeper. And of course, um, Lyon with guys like Hussam Awar um, and Toko Akambi as well, who's one of the leading scorers in the league, Carl Toko Akambi with 10 goals alongside uh, Ludovic Ajork, and uh, of course Mbappe with 14 goals, uh, Boule Dia with 12, Memphis Depay and Kevin Volant have 11 apiece, so of course uh, Depay and Akambi have been great for Lyon, um, and of course the assist leaders not looking too much different either, uh, Tauvan of Marseille, Jonathan Bamba of Lille, uh, Kylian Mbappe of PSG, and Andy Delors of Montpellier with six alongside Mbappe, so I mean, you know, it's 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 pretty good. It's it's been a pretty fun league, um, and I feel like um, league on doesn't get the credit it deserves, you know, because of PSG just destroying everyone with their Qatar oil money. But I mean, you know, you're looking at this, and it's it's pretty enjoyable. And I would love to see a team other than PSG win, and uh, and move on to bigger and better things. You know, just the disgusting amount of money they have uh, really just had. They have a different kind of disdain in my heart for them. Um, Yes, but there's 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 Juventus and Arsenal. Yeah, Juventus, Arsenal. Family. You can laugh at them, but then there's PSUs like there's a no joke oh, disdain yeah. for this team. And I think the other thing about uh, League One is yes, uh, the top four that we're seeing right now: uh, Los, Lyon, PSG, and Monaco. Uh, they they're pretty established, but the the old version of the top six with Marseille, even Nantes uh, for a second, Montpellier. Nice, things at the Allen. Even I mean, they're all they're all sub ninth place teams right now, and it, it's just interesting to see what are they doing, where have they been, um, and are they going to make a return anytime soon? I mean, I think it's a very dynamic table. Uh, maybe not in terms of uh, this year in and of itself, but year by year, there's um, some very different uh, finishes. I mean, Nice was right up there in fifth place last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and even Monaco was in ninth, finished ninth, and they're they're like pulling up fourth right now after some uh, manager problems. So again, dynamic league, uh, like John Lucas said, very exciting to watch. And I think the last thing to wrap it up is that if you think they have young talent, uh, just take a look at the French national team's young talent. Oh yeah, I mean it yeah. is it is almost. It is almost disgusting the amount they have. They just Absolutely. really don't. A lot of them just move overseas. Uh, you've got star-studded uh, teams, uh, include French players all the time, from Antoine Griezmann, although as of late he's a bit of a flop. Um, but even a long-time midfielder, Adrian Rabiot, uh, some those guys are more aging, but... You know, the the French players that are good, you can find them anyway. Oh, yeah, and France is definitely is a force to be reckoned with come the uh, the Euros as well. And, I mean, just even some 
some uh, guys that have been, you know, more um, more influenced by African French cultures. You know, places like Senegal, um, Mali, Chad. I mean, these guys are Algeria, Tunisia. I mean, these guys are coming from there as well. You know, looking at some of their youngsters, Awar Mbappe, Eduardo Camaviga has been great. Yassine Adli, Ryan Etnouri, um, Maxence Kakere, Ryan Sherky, another Ryan Sherky, definitely a guy to look at if you want to look at guys. I mean, um, some young talent league on playing for um, Leon. He's been great. Ubakar Kamara, great fullback for Nice, William Saliba, uh, Kefren Tiram, and uh, I mean, Gorili, of course, these guys will be more in-depth in our Youngsters episode. But, I mean, those are just some names to list off. Um, you know, even if they might not be the, as, you know, in, a, in terms of football, which you're accustomed to, they're still definitely a, a football, a good football league to watch. And they're certainly not, you know, the Farmers League that everyone really claims them to be anymore, honestly, with a lot of teams taking over uh, PSG's role of just killing everyone. Um, So, yeah. let's see how it plays out, you know. It's been yeah. a fun league and just... Look for the future. They, they, yeah, I think they might want to settle on a sponsor, though. Yeah, I mean, me <laughs> I think I think wasn't it Domino's Pizza or, or was that the league? I, I don't have a I don't single know. I clue. Domino's Pizza. Yeah, now now it's Uber Eats. Now it's an Uber oh, Eats uh, league. So yeah, yeah. doesn't love some Uber Eats on their on their kits. Exactly. And, um, so yeah, I mean that's all of our top five league on talk we really have, and of course we're gonna round things out with um, some. Of course, um, I think tomorrow, it's today the 1st, I believe it is, right? Today is the 1st, yeah, and it's about to be so, tomorrow. Yeah, it's about but, to yeah. be tomorrow, <laughs> about 15 minutes. So, I mean, the, the transfer window is closing in, and things look like they might be about finished, but that's what I said about three days ago, and um, obviously that wasn't the truth. <laughs> but, um, so, I mean, things, things, I mean, for a winter transfer window, it, it was it was fairly eventful looking at a lot of the talent that was given away, you know. Um, so let's just talk, obviously, Papu Gomez. You know, we know um, from what you've heard, Evan and I are a bit uh, heartbroken about that, going to Sevilla. Yeah. I would love to see how he works there, but I just wanted to see him stay in Sevilla, honestly. Um, yeah. David Alaba, I'm not sure if this is 100% confirmed, if he's 100% signed for the club, but they did reach an agreement. David Alaba is leaving Munich to join Real Madrid. Why necessarily? They need another center back or another fullback. And they have Carvajal, Mendy, Marcelo, Varane, and Ramos is I'm not quite sure. But um, I, he could also, I guess, play a six role as well. I think I could definitely see him play more in the midfield too. Yeah, so uh, we'll see if that uh, becomes confirmed. Uh, Martin Odegaard from Real Madrid to Arsenal. I think Arsenal, you know, trying to revamp their team once again. We'll see if this one works. What are your thoughts on that one? Honestly, I, I, I'm Martin Odegaard. You know, he was one of those guys that everybody was expecting to be a huge talent, and he kind of fell off for a bit, you know. And then he came right back, and and now he's he's in a similar spot. You know, he's he's a big younger, he's a much younger guy, and I would I honestly want to see how he plays out with Arsenal with guys like Thomas Partey in the midfield as well. Um, honestly, if there's one thing that Arsenal does have. It's a very, very good midfield. So I, I'd love to see how Odegaard works for this team. I think if Arteta gives him the right assets, the right uh, positioning, and um, some good resources to work with, he could definitely pull out to be a great player in uh, the Premier League. So I, I really do enjoy that. Of course, we have, um, moving on, Moussa Dembele going to Atletico Madrid, a pretty good striker for Olympique Lyon. We'd like to see how he plays a role in that team. 
And of course, um, Stefan Al-Sharawi um, going from, I believe it's some uh, Chinese Super League team to AS Roma, if you want to elaborate on that one, Evan. Uh, yes, I'm happy to see him return. Uh, not only to keep the Italian talent in, uh, in Roma, but he just seemed to be a fairly... Right after Mo Salah left, the uh, the other side winger, the Stefano Sherway seemed to really step up. Um, and then he just kind of had a falling off with the club. And I think it was kind of the things that you don't realize how much you needed him until he was gone. And then um, they re-signed him. And I hope I hope he's as good as he was when he left. Um, and I think also with having some experience in Syria, he might be able to teach the, uh, at least by example, um, a lot of those younger guys that I've, I mentioned earlier in this episode uh, that Roma has on the wings, uh, hopefully it's an example for them. Put in some good crosses for Boromiral and uh, and Jaco, and uh, hopefully he'll be doing good. Uh, the next transfer we're going to look at is uh, Jesse Lingard from. No, Jesse not, do we even have to look at those? Like, no, no, I mean, I mean, he's like he's like the. I don't know. I haven't looked to, enough at Manny Lager compared to anybody. He's just he is a different breed of somewhat disappointing. Like I, I, I <laughs> like I can't really even explain my just initial thoughts on Jesse Lingard. It's just it's just so strange how he kind of plays in to a lot of a lot of United's play. Now he's signed at West Ham. Um, I can honestly see him having a decent role at West Ham. I could see him doing a little something. But, I mean, obviously, he's not going to turn out to be some great stud that all the United fans expect them to be, um, obviously. Yes. So, I, I really can't see him being much different. But I guess we'll see how it goes, you know? Yeah. I think West Ham in the fifth place position, you know, was you know, attracted enough to Jesse Lingard, who, from what I'm hearing, did not get a lot of playing time in just United, but rightfully so, because he wasn't that great either. Yeah. But, I mean, West Ham United building some, you know, uh, some recognition in their midfield. Uh, I think it's a decent signing, a decent gamble, and we'll, we can only hope that it works out for them. Yeah. Moving on, was to from Bayern Munich to Parma? I don't think I'd ever see a, a permanent, but alone I understand but a permanent no, deal yeah. from a team like Bayern Munich. A team like Parma, Parma. yes. Uh, I can't. I can't see that being happening for long. Xerxes, what seventeen? He's a very solid talent. Um, he's, he's played some good minutes, and I'm kind of surprised they've moved him to Parma. It's a very odd transfer, um, in my opinion. So I, I don't know how that's going to work out, but I mean, hey, maybe he'll get yeah. some improvement. Maybe they just want to get a bit more playing time in a in a good European league. So um, you know, let's hope the best for him. Honestly, I've been a bit high on Joshua Xerxes since he's originally come to fruition. So um, let's see how it goes. Yeah. I guess Ben Davies yeah. moving to Liverpool. I'm um, from Preston North End. So, um, this is talk about another yeah. two-team duo yeah, that you never not, thought uh, you'd of see. Of course, playing for Tottenham is um. So and moving to a, a smaller club, I, I, you know, I can't see him being great, but he could definitely be a world player to add to the depth of Liverpool's back line. On the time of injury, as well as you yeah, know, even when Van Dyke comes back, I could see him. Being a bit of a, a role player coming in and out. Of course, uh, Tate Chong has returned to Manchester United from Werner Bremen off the end of a loan. Again, another guy great for the depth chart for the squad, you know, with Matamane, Matic, um, Fred, Pogba, Fernandes, 
Fernandez, or I was gonna say like Derek Ray, Bruno Fernandes on on FIFA. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, he's got me saying that now. I, it's kind of sad, but um, yeah, I mean, seeing him add even more to the depth of United's midfield, it could it could be pretty good. Um, Kevin Malqui, the wingback for Napoli, has moved to Fiorentina on loan. Fiorentina, obviously, a pretty lower class team in recent years, um, more, mostly led by a guy like Falcon Day. And uh, with Chiesa leaving as well, that's uh, something interesting. Mateo yeah. Musa. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Frimpong, a, a very promising youngster, has joined Bayer Ulfer Leverkusen from Celtic. Perhaps you can kind of elaborate a bit more, uh, Evan. See, I haven't been following Celtic as much as I used to. I used to take him. I used to take Celtic in uh, the, the FIFA managerial yeah. just adding a bunch of fun guys and see what I could do with their very limited transfer budget and still score eight goals against Rangers just for yeah. fun of it. Uh, so I'm more familiar with their older guys. Like I, I played when Musa Dembele was still on Celtic. Oh yeah. So it's one the uh, transfer thing, but I think. As long as Celtic keeps, you know, at least producing these young talent, you know, as long as they just stay relevant and wait for uh, Ethan Gerrard to manage Liverpool and hopefully Rangers fall apart, I think Celtics, you know, just got to stay in there, make the money and invest what they need to and uh, continue to raise some good young talent um, that's attractive enough for the big five leagues. Yeah. So I think hope it works out for the player, and I hope it works out for the Yeah, club. from what I've seen from, from Pong, he's been doing quite well. He's a, he's a pretty solid wingback. I believe he's only, like, what, 20 years of age. Um, so I could definitely see him doing well at a place like Leverkusen that really builds on young talent and um, can obviously ship him off to bigger and better things, kind of similar to Dortmund. So uh, hope for the best for him. Obviously, they are in need of some wingbacks. So I think it's, I think it'll be a good fit for him. I, I could see him doing well. I could see him going in the Netherlands his own country uh, sometime soon as well. So, it's another guy. Matteo yes. Masaccio has moved from AC Milan to Lazio. Haven't been keeping up a lot with him in particular. Um, obviously, he was, he's was he been a decent center back. Um, obviously, bringing even more depth to Lazio's back line could, could be a good thing for Lazio. And He hasn't been uh, of use mm-hmm. a lot in AC Milan. Of course, uh, Max Meyer moving to FC Colm from Crystal Palace, hoping to kind of bring them up from the depths of you know the very low side of the table for the Bundesliga. It's been quite interesting. Uh, Alexander Kukrin, a pretty well-rounded striker from Russia. Spartak Moscow moving to Fiorentina again, trying to move up more on the table. I think that's a good signing. I've been relatively familiar with Kukrin, and um, he's not too bad. Uh, Morgan Sanson from Marseille, moving to Aston Villa. A pretty good signing for Aston Villa. More to their midfield. Can't ask for much more overall. He's a, he's a very solid player. He's been a a pretty, pretty vital part of Marseille's midfield for a while, so um, I could definitely see him doing good things. It's a shame for Marseille to let let go of the lad, but um, Aston Villa is definitely a guy that can play well there. Uh, Kevin Lasagna from Udinese to Hellas Verona, yet another good signing. Kevin Lasagna, very, very pacey, um, overall very prolific striker from Udinese, moving to Hellas Verona, and of course um, more the more recent transfers. Ozan Kabak from Schalke to Liverpool. With a loan and option to buy, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if you've been keeping up with uh, Kabak, uh, Evan, but obviously he played for Schalke, wasn't happy there for obvious reasons, but uh, hopefully making a new uh, future at uh, Liverpool. Yeah, I'm putting it together now that I'm like, yeah, well, I've heard good things about him and it's great, but again, you got to call in the question a center back who's uh, had playing for a team with a negative 34 goal <laughs> differential. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I- yep. 
I hope I hope those two things aren't correlated as much as they could be, and that Kabak settles in um, to Liverpool nicely with his uh, fellow center back signing Ben Davies. Um, I have already started seeing memes about uh, the depth chart problems that we're going to have when everyone's healthy, though. I mean, we're going to have like 18 center backs. And I I guess that's a good problem to have when you, you know, you got to play the FA Cup games and the EPL League Cup and all those others. You can get some uh, good time for the youngsters or the new signings while uh, not risking Van Dyke's injury. And hopefully they can develop enough to be, you know, as good as Van Dyke or just quality center backs. And I think Liverpool has done a very, very good job of being able to develop uh, young talent, whether they're cheap pickups from the Bundesliga or from Southampton. I know we've rated them a couple too many times for your liking. <laughs> sure. uh, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think they'll be able to do that with Kabak and or Davies, and I hope it works out. Yeah. Next, Sami Kadiri. <laughs> Uh, from Juventus to Hertha Berlin. He's been playing uh, return the longest time. He's been playing. He, I mean, he has been playing there for ages. And, I mean, just seeing him go to Hertha Berlin, you know, hopefully he can kind of pair up with Matteo Guendouzi and be a bit better. But uh, overall, you know, I, I don't know if it'll make a huge difference. Uh, Jensen Fernandez, haven't been keeping up with him as much, but um, he's moved to Galatasaray from SL Benfica on loan. Overall, not a bad player. Um, Galatasaray is always that team that kind of picks up like these, like these very mid guys from other leagues. It's, it's kind of strange, you know, with like Sofian Figuli and Bastemi Gomez. You know, they kind of they kind of sign those guys out of nowhere. But you know, obviously, they're a very popular team in Turkey, and I'd like to see how he does there. And of course, yeah. Uh, moving into those last few before we get into our last topic, which is of course the Champions League and Europa League matchups which are actually coming very soon, sooner than I expected. What, the 15th and 16th or the 16th and 17th of February? So, um... Oh, that's only two weeks away. Yeah, honestly, I could... That's it's going nice. to be fun. It's another good thing to talk about, so... But, um, Brian Reynolds, another American talent. I'm I'm pretty high on him from what I've seen going to AS Roma. Of course, so, you know, obviously, having you being the Roma fan, you are. You think this is a good signing for them? I think it's a good signing, and to be honest, I'm quite interested because I'm pretty sure I heard rumors that Liverpool were going to sign him and then surprise Roma just come in or maybe it was different FC Dallas defender but I'm pretty sure that an American team only has one uh, usually is only going to have one star defender at a time that's attracting Premier League or Syria attention so I'm pretty sure he's the same guy I think it's a good signing for IS Roma just you know to show that even after a change in club ownership, that they're still paying attention to America and they're still, um, you know, looking to get maybe some men's team talent on their uh, things just to expand their their club from a business and economic point of view. Because if he turns out to be the greatest center back U.S. has ever seen, A.S. Roma is going to be reaping the benefits. Uh, Maybe not Chris Smalling, but A.S. Roma will. Yeah, um, and um, of course, Takumi Minamino, just um, most recent, honestly, moving to Southampton. I am so, so very excited for this lad to become an, a very young talent coming into Southampton. Hopefully he can improve. I'm honestly impressed from the time he had at Liverpool. And um, overall, he's a very likable guy. He, has, plays a good, he plays a good style very well with the club. Honestly, that's all I can say. I'm very excited to see Southampton's future. They've been... They've been kind of falling as of late on the table, not doing too well. 
compared to the fact that they were in first place, I don't know, like 11 or 12 games into the season. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know. I think it's a good move for both teams. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a loan option. So, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too sad to see him go, considering Liverpool has rated too many very top talents from uh, Southampton. Uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully he'll fit in with Danny Ings and uh, you know learn from him. Yeah, as well as you know connecting with guys like Ward Prowse and Stuart Armstrong and uh, Musa Genepo as well. Yeah, and just the... all of those guys, I think he'll connect well. And I have very high hopes for Tikkuni Mina moving on. And of course now, Shakhtar Mustafi from Arsenal to Schalke, and it's like it's like trying to squirt a forest fire with a water gun when you're Schalke in twentieth place trying to sign Mustafi. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what they were thinking here. Um, yeah, I know they just need a, a center back. Yeah. Um, and I would love to see Mustafi be the source uh, and solution for all their problems, but I, I don't yeah, think it's, it's gonna going happen, to happen, Um, You know, honestly, I, I really feel bad for Mustafi for just, I guess, the way he's been horribly treated by a lot of fans, especially at Arsenal. But, you know, he's just – he's not a good defender. And I, I, I couldn't see him improving at Schalke. You know, obviously he he grew and played very well at Schalke originally before joining Arsenal. So maybe maybe he could turn things around. I'm like, I couldn't say that's the most uh, probable of things to happen. But, I mean, you know, I can always hope um, coming from a Schalke fan. And, of course, just closing on these last two, um, not of too much significance, St. Tossen, striker for Everton, moving back to Besiktas, the Turkish player, moving back to his native uh, league. And Patrick Coutron hasn't exactly been the best for Wolves, not the best signing. He moves on alone to Valencia, who are also kind of struggling, can help both teams out. And um, overall, you know, I'd like to see how it plays out and see how Valencia can possibly bring things back and Coutron could possibly affect their style of play. Yep. So uh, All right. now, just to, to finish things off, we're at 97 minutes right now. Um, hopefully... I know my phone battery's looking. Oh yeah, real. same <laughs> here. But um, you know, if you've been watching, uh, you've been enjoying the podcast, and you've stayed for this long, I mean, thank you. Uh, like I said, hopefully, Ed <laughs> and I hope to make this thing kind of big, and um, you know, things from now probably gonna be you know more weekly, biweekly episodes. I guess it depends on how much content we can really come up with. Jeez, my chair, dude. <laughs> um, my chair just like I don't even know what that was. I like tried to sink into my chair and then. I, I, oh, okay. Um, no, I don't even know what's just happened. But um, anyway. <laughs> All right. On to yeah. the Champions <laughs> League. Okay, we might have to find the uh, the Champions League anthem. I think we can insert oh. music in here. Maybe maybe next, next time. time. Oh, yeah. Anyway. That, uh, that will always hold a special place in my brain. Um, yes. Yes, but, indeed. But uh, anyway, I mean, PSG Barcelona. You know, looking two years ago, it would have been class. But now, you know, I don't know how it'll how it'll boat out. Hopefully, it'll be great. Um, but I couldn't see it being like an awesome game. Um, yeah, maybe PSG will take a note and uh, score some quick corner goals. Yeah. And hopefully, Messi can outclass Neymar, and Neymar won't have to roll too many times. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, I really, I think that losing the PSG in the round of sixteen here would definitely be the final straw for Lionel Messi. Um, I really couldn't. That's true. That's very I, I, true. I don't think he would be at the club for much longer with that. Uh, moving on, Liverpool-Leipzig. I think that'll be great. Um, Leipzig has been, like I said, they've, they've impressed me despite losing a lot of players. 
and um, obviously Liverpool trying to play things out with the amount of injuries they've had. But um, yeah, I think Liverpool needs to solidify their run of form because this before this match. Because if they go in half halves, I'm pretty sure like they're going to tear them up. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool is a class team, arguably more classy than uh, Leipzig. But we've seen what Leipzig can do, especially you, John Luca. But um, yeah, I, I think it'll. I, I would be very surprised to see two boring games come out from this matchup. Uh, I think I think it'll be fast paced. I think it'll be. Um, I think it'll be a great match. Yeah. And next, uh, Sevilla. Yes, you heard us right. They are in the Champions League this year. They are not sitting winning the Europa yeah. League. They are facing Borussia Dortmund. What do you think about? I think this it'll be now? very exciting. Plenty of attacking, and uh, just lots of fun. I mean, I like the way Sevilla has built up their team. A lot of young talent. They have a great back line with guys like Jules Kounde and Diego Carlos um, going against a team like Dortmund with obviously um, I have very high hopes on Erling Holland. And I think overall just the just kind of like the mashup of players is just going to be very fun. And um, overall I'm just have, I have high hopes on this. And um, of course we have Atalanta versus Real Madrid. Um, of course I'm cheering for Atalanta in that situation, but I think obviously Real Madrid. I, make yeah, two of I us. think Real Madrid will take the um, win there. But... You never know. Maybe they can pull a Roma against oh, Real Madrid. So. Uh, uh, I think I think they still got it because Zinedine uh, Zidane, as great of a manager as he is, um, you know they haven't been the same. I think in terms of uh, Champions League prowess without Ronaldo. I mean they've definitely been really really good, but um, I don't think they've been just at that top notch. So. Maybe Atlanta could take advantage of that. Yeah, and of course, um, we got Atletico Madrid versus Chelsea. You know, when this was originally announced, I was very excited for it. But now with um, the, the falling out with Lampard and just falling in the table, I, I don't have as much belief in it being a brilliant series. Obviously, I still think it could be very good. Um, I think Chelsea have been – they played very well in the Champions League. So hopefully they can keep that up. And they can bring some competition to Atletico Madrid, who have obviously been on just red hot in, um, domestically in La Liga, just dominating Madrid and Barca like it's nothing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think that will be one of the better matchups out of this round of 16. Yes, I agree. So, um, yeah, and then we have Borussia Mönchengladbach versus City. Not too much to say about this. I mean, I think, you know, I... I really enjoyed McGladbach's run, despite, you know, obviously them kind of ruining our opportunities. But um, they've, they've been relatively fun to watch, but I think City will kill them, to be quite honest with you. I hope they, I hope they prove me wrong yeah. with City's failures in, in the Champions League in the last few years. I, I, it's, it's not completely out of talks that they could lose in the round of 16, but... Um, Overall, I don't think this will be too exciting of a series. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's my overall synthesis on it. So, and then yeah. of course, we can sit and pray and hope. Yeah, no kidding, you know. brother. I mean, just hope uh, City gets knocked out and Pep Guardiola can throw a temper tantrum and spend another four hundred million dollars. Um, Bayern Munich versus yeah. Lazio. I think that'll be another good one. Um, I, I genuinely think Lazio is a very good team. You know, obviously they haven't been like incredible in Serie A this year, but they're they're a fun team to watch. Chino Immobile is great. Like I said, they have a pretty star-studded team, especially for a Serie A team against the competition they have. 
And obviously Bayern Munich is the best team in the world right now. I, I think that's pretty indisputable. But I, I think it could still definitely be a good matchup. Lazio could prove themselves. I think Bayern Munich will ultimately come out with a win. But um, nonetheless, I think it could, it could still be a fun series and an overall entertaining match to watch. Uh-huh. Lewandowski versus Asherby. I, mean, <laughs> I think we know who you might take yeah. on that one. But uh, And Pepe Reina. Oh, yeah. And Pepe Reina. Course, okay. No, he might... He might just come pull one out of his Liverpool days. Yeah, so. and then obviously the midfield clash yeah. will be brilliant. Um, Chiri Immobile, yes, see, you know what he can do against a really top class team. That's another thing to look forward to in that. So, and of course the la- yeah, you just don't see like that kind of matchup like a Bayern Munich. You know, I could see him playing an Inter Milan or uh, Ventus. You haven't really had them playing. Uh, a Lazio in the past past couple of years, maybe they have, and I'm just being completely ignorant. Yeah. But you know, I think that will be that'll be an interesting uh, matchup. Yeah. Finally, FC Porto versus no Juventus. I, uh, yeah, I think Juventus pulled a pretty easy one, but I mean, FC Porto not to be underestimated. Porto sure hasn't been doing sure bad. They've given Liverpool. Oh, have they? Have they in the domestic? Yeah, actually, I mean, I know they've given uh, a couple teams that runs for their money in the. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, the Portuguese league has mainly just been FICA and um, Porto just kind of kicking the shit out of Porto. each other while the rest of the teams kind of watch with a bucket of popcorn. Oh, my gosh, but, but Sporting is leading it by four points, and Braga is in the top four as yeah, well. Yeah, Vitoria's up there. I'm honestly a bit surprised. Yeah, I think uh, they've, I mean, they've mainly been focusing on things outside of their reach, but yeah, and um, I guess we're just going to run through the Europa League as, um, you know, of course, Manchester United versus Sociedad. Going to be a good one. Um, obviously, Sociedad have fallen a bit, but, um, you know, obviously still have some promise. AC Milan versus Red Star Belgrade. Honestly, I just put this in because AC Milan's in, in the Europa League, and I'd like to see how they bode. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, Eel versus Ajax, yeah. one of the better matchups. I'd love to see that plenty of young talent going up against each other. I think it'll be fast-paced yes. and enjoyable. Um I would like to see Ajax in the Champions League. Oh, yeah, I, I think, think it's a shame. Um, I think they got robbed. Yeah, but they uh, weren't. Maybe we could do an episode on that, how we can reform the Yeah, Champions and League. I mean, they were great, um, <laughs> but they were also in a great group, which is another problem. Uh, Granada and Napoli, obviously those two are like upper-mid-class teams in their retrospective leagues. Arsenal, see how they can bode um, outside of their poor domestic performance against Benfica. Uh, Villarreal versus Salzburg, Antwerp Rangers, and Olympiacos PSV. So, I mean, overall, the Europa League's honestly looking not bad considering, you know, teams that were in the Europa League status last year were moving more towards the, yeah. um, excuse me, Champions League status last year. Um, Europa League status yeah. last year are um, much better than they are than they were last year. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's going to that's gonna complete our episode. Any closing words, Evan, at all? Um, no, thank you for listening if you've listened this Absolutely. far. Um, and we look forward to, you know, making more stuff for uh, you guys to consume. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very pleased. It was a great first episode, honestly. And uh, stay tuned. Of course, uh, second episode is going to be coming, I hope, hopefully relatively soon, talking about the youngsters in, in the world and how we can shine a light on them. And uh, so, friends, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, you know, care to help us out in any way you can. Hopefully we'll be throwing up an Instagram page sooner or something like that. But overall, thank you all so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you all next time. So peace out. And uh, keep enjoying football.